0: This is episode 130. My guest is Rachel Ryder, founder and executive coach of MetaWorks LLC. Rachel founded her business in 2015 after a distinguished career in HR, receiving executive coaching certification from Columbia University and extensive training in meditation, somatic experiencing, and polarity Therapy. I will have to ask questions to her about those. Rachel recently published a book titled Who You Are Is How You Lead, packed with actionable how to's and step by step exercises. The book uses real life examples to show how leaders, and let me remind you that entrepreneurs are leaders by default, can avoid damaging team morale with their sharp elbows micromanaging, and causing workflow bottlenecks. And since bottlenecks are my specialty, (laughs) I thought we could have a great discussion with Rachel. Hey, Rachel. (laughs) Hi, Lauren.
1: So nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So uh, before we start, what is somatic experiencing and polarity therapy?
1: Yes, somatic experiencing was founded by Peter Levine, Dr. Peter Levine. The premise is that the nervous system holds a great deal of information that it's not just the mind that needs healing, but the nervous system that needs healing when we're struggling with mental health. And so it helps you, the, the premise helps you self-regulate come into a balance of regulation. Polarity theory therapy. uh, The premise is that your body has polar opposites within you, different charges. This is, this is the more technical, um, explanation but I would say the premise is that it is important to stay balanced within yourself in order to be balanced within your life and so it's actually beautiful compliments to the work I do with leaders because my premise is the more work you do on yourself the better relationship you have with yourself the stronger relationships you have with your team and therefore the more successful you are.
0: Right, we'll, we'll come back we'll come back to that how but first how, how did you ended up in that area
1: that's such a great question because I have been an HR professional Mm. in corporate America Um, (laughs) and so shout out to Dr. Susan Wilder my mother okay (laughs) Um, it's a lot much more involved story than that I guess I could start with I think I have been a spiritual seeker for all of my life when I was 13 I came to my parents and said, I would like to choose, I would like to have a religious practice. And they said, well, your mom's Jewish, your dad's Catholic, we're Buddhist, shop (laughs) around, take your pick. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so I chose Zen Buddhism. I really resonated with the teacher. And so Along my journey as, you know, just standard American norms of going through college, going to get a job in the cor- corporate world, I actually had this other spiritual life of Zen Buddhism. My mother's a psychotherapist. So when I was struggling, i had been in ther- I've been in ther- I was in therapy for 17 years, you know. So we, there was these parallel streams in my life. That started to intermingle. And um, after being a long-term meditation practitioner and in therapy a long time and noticing there's still some pieces here that are still stuck, mm-hmm. I I asked, what, what can I do next? And my mother was, was getting burnt out as a psychotherapist and actually exploring, okay, what complements her work? And she discovered somatic experiencing. And she exposed me to it. And it just blew my mind anxiety patterns that I've been stuck in for years, even with meditation practice and psychotherapy were dissolving as a result of my work with somatic experiencing. So I actually went and got trained as a practitioner myself, three years of intensive training. And through my exposure to somatic experiencing, I found polarity theory. And so it's just the most beautiful cocktail to help someone find their best versions of themselves.
0: What you do today with the leaders exactly. yes. find the best version of themselves yes. on your linkedin profile it it you you wrote that you help unconventional leaders uh disrupt the status quo what yes. do you mean by that
1: um i'm so happy that i just shared my personal experience with you because personally i feel like what i've done is really challenge the status quo of corporate america because i've decided not to do interpersonal healing with folks. I've decided to bring my work to the workplace Mm -hmm. because I really believe that work can be done differently. And so I often work with leaders who already have been there. The premise of their company is challenging, um, assumptions of how business is done or the way they run their company. They're saying, I know that this is usually how it's done. And I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to squeeze the lifeblood out of my people and have them leave. I don't want to emulate the culture of Amazon. And I do want to be as wildly successful as Amazon. How do we examine that differently? And because of my own experience and my own presumption that the inner work is what's going to change the way you show up as a leader I attract folks and work with folks who want to examine these norms that we've taken as truth in corporate culture and say, hey, is that actually how we should do it to be successful? Mm. Let's examine it differently. And let's start with me and my own belief systems and how I want to show up as a leader.
0: So, so what are what are those some of those common patterns in, in yeah. the corporate world?
1: So one of, one of the patterns that I work a lot with is performance. What mm-hmm. does it mean to push our people to perform? What does it mean as a company to perform? What, how, what is the story we are telling about being successful? How do we really examine that? What is becoming very apparent is that there's a lot of brittleness around companies where performance is simply numbers. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of workforce turnover. There's a lot of cost to ramping up folks and recruiting folks. We've got, you know, there's still a war on talent, even with the tech world firing people by the tens of thousands. There's an opportunity here to examine how to do it differently. And so often we're looking at cultural decisions as a company, but also how you're showing up in the world in terms of integrity Folks can make decisions very quickly to walk away from you as a company, should it not align with them. And so the work I do with leaders is deciding what stance do we want to take as a company and how do we want to show up in integrity? And what decisions am I making that align with the bottom line and also our brand? And we're finding that the higher integrity companies, the more loyal customers, the stronger the bottom line.
0: We're talking about integrity. Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> right? Okay you know it's it's very interesting what what you say because yeah exactly this is not what we have in mind, you know when we talk about copyright or the the business world. There's, there is, I'm, I'm watching uh, on HBO Max right now. I'm watching the, the series Succession. I don't know if you've seen it. So talk, oh, talking yeah. about it. Talking about integrity.
1: Well, what's funny is I had to stop after season one because it was so counter to my work. Really? I just couldn't, I couldn't keep watching.
0: Well, season two is, is even better than season one, actually. Oh. <laughs> you know, we, we often hear uh, the, the saying, we never leave a company, we always leave a manager. Mm -hmm. I know it's true for me I've always left managers not not the company and is it is it because you know people are actually looking for you know integrity
1: I would love to say yes I think big picture probably it often comes back to that I think deeper levels it comes back to the way my baggage is engaging your baggage as a leader Mm-hmm. and what is the water and oil that's not allowing us to connect i think often folks want to feel connected feel seen feel heard by the people who are in charge of them i like to say that it's not about the difficult message people need people hear difficult messages all day you can give difficult messages as a leader it's that you do it in a way where someone feels seen and heard i actually was just working with a ceo the other day and he was like yeah but Okay, how do I manage their bad reaction? Mm. I was like, okay, let's talk about this because we have no control over someone's reaction and you are delivering bad news. He his message was to one of his really high high performing players that they're not going to get the the C-suite promotion that he had promised them mm. because the goalposts have moved. And and it was a little bad on him right? He said some things he shouldn't have guaranteed. He can no longer deliver. She's going to be very disappointed. What are we doing about it? And he knows it's going to go poorly. I said, help her feel seen and heard. It's okay for you to say, this was my bad. I shouldn't have made it so much of a guarantee. You are doing good work. You're just not there where the new goalposts are. And I really want you to get you there. I really want to get you there. Let's work together on this. How, how, how nice that would be to be on the receiving end, to hear disappointing information without feeling alone in it. And so I, to tell you the truth, I think it, when I give you this example, it does feel connected to integrity because in that moment, the communication is real and honest and sincere And I think there are deeper layers of the integrity piece.
0: When I work with uh, some of my clients or I give like a a training in leadership, uh, there's this exercise that I always love to do where I ask people to imagine the best boss they would ever had Mm. uh, and then write down, you know, why that person is or would be the best Mm. boss, you know, or Mm. everything they come up with. All the answers, nothing. There is not, no technical skills at all. It's 100% human skills.
1: Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. You really nailed the premise of my work, especially at the highest levels of an organization, where mm-hmm. I say, listen, no longer are the deliverables your deliverable. Your OKRs, your KPIs, the numbers that you need to meet at the end of the quarter or the year are not about you, CEO or C-suite. Your job is the relationships to the people who need to meet the deliverables. Yeah. And, it is, and, and it's and kind of mind-blowing, especially because these aren't boxes you can check. It's very sophisticated. It's complicated. There's no right answers. It's very disorienting. And this is the most powerful place to spend your time as a leader.
0: Yeah, and you were talking about performance uh, before. And so what, what I have found is that a lot of leaders were not taught those human skills yes they, they they are you know they were promoted based on their performance or their yes. technical performance the best example I know of is the sales manager the sales, or the sales director Yes. how do you promote the sales director because he's the best salesperson it doesn't that doesn't make him or her the best the best leader right exactly. maybe the best salesperson Want to stay a bit the best salesperson.
1: <laughs> exactly. And this is the thing no one talks about. No. No it's... one's saying. I you know, in my book I say, uh, I had a client once who word for word said, I wish someone had told me this was actually the job description. Hmm. He'd been nominated to work with me because he was very senior in the organization and his favorite word was no. Hmm. And people were like, No one wants to work with you. And he's like, I'm just trying to get things done. And through our work, he was like, oh my God, everybody feels alienated because I'm telling them no. It's really about how do I manage their expectations? Well, we can do this, but this and this has to drop. It's not that the content of what he's saying change is how he's saying it. It's how he's seeing the other person. And no one's talking about these skills. And I think it's because they're harder. You can't go to a leadership one-on-one class. You can go how to communicate, but to apply those skills, is much more sophisticated. Yeah,
0: I was about to ask you why, why there's such a discrepancy.
1: I really believe, and I've seen in my work, that the way to be an incredibly powerful leader is to know yourself. And this is not language commonly used in corporate mm-hmm. America, to know yourself. What are the things that really get you stuck? What are the things that really set you off and not just be like, okay, this is my trigger. Don't trigger me. That's not helpful. It's okay. This is my trigger. Where does it help me? How does it take care of me? When do I really need to work on it? And, and so I think this becomes in, in my dream world that this work I'm doing creates actually more common language in the workplace for someone to look at themselves and be like, okay, something's not working here. Hmm, what am I doing? And not as a self-blame, but as a, oh, I am the tool. I am the superpower here. How do I leverage myself to make this all work?
0: Be the change you want to see in the world.
1: Exactly. And it truly deeply starts with my own inner belief systems, my mm. own emotional reactions, you know, my own assets.
0: Is being a leader for everyone
1: I think this is a funny question because part of my reaction is everyone's a leader. Mm-hmm. Every person who has a life is a leader of their own life. They're in charge. In my mind, leaders are decision makers where their decisions impact the lives of others around them. So if in the smallest microcosm, you could say you're a leader in your own life. I think the question though, that I think you're pointing at is would anyone want to lead lots of people? is anyone could anyone lead lots of people? Could anyone be in charge of, of larger decisions and I think that's self selective and I think again that's knowing what's important and interesting to you. I love the example that you gave about sales reps being promoted to c r o hmm. roles you know chief revenue officers where it's like why <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this. And even the sales rep, sometimes, you know, I'm coaching chief revenue officer and we're looking back on what's important to them about this role. And they'll take a moment and be like, you know, I never paused to think if this is what I wanted because I just wanted the, the best, highest paid, sexiest, you know, title and not in a superficial way, but in a, I feel like I've been growing way where there hasn't been a moment to pause and be like, well, what is it that I want? As a leader, if you understand that this is the ultimate success, that the ultimate success is those relationships, is knowing yourself. And if that speaks to your yearning heart, oh, that sounds interesting to me. It sounds cool to, at the highest levels of an organization, make decisions and be in charge of my relationships. And I say, I think that resonates. If someone's like, I really would like to make more money. I really would like to feel... In power and proud of my role, mm. then maybe take a moment. Well, what does that actually look like? Does that need to look like leading an organization?
0: Well, you're saying if you want to become a better leader, you have to start by looking inside you yeah. and understanding you better yourself better, yeah, so where do you start?
1: This is a really good question. there's so many different places um you know people are in many different paths in their journey I think the place to start usually when people come to me is something's not working yeah and why reach out for help if everything's good right so I would imagine if someone's listening to your podcast they're thinking there's something in me that I am looking for that I want a little more of and so what I would say is start there What's the, ugh, this just isn't working, or what's the, I really wish I had more of. Mm. And so one of the examples I love to use is um, a behavior that you already know probably doesn't, hasn't been working for you. Did you say bottleneck that you're, that yes. bottleneck? Yes. Tell me, can you tell me a little bit about this? I would love to use it as an example. <laughs>
0: Ah oh, so some of the um common bottlenecks for entrepreneurs uh for instance i i got three three main ones number one number one is to be you know completely lost into details
1: mm.
0: right so instead of having the strategic view that you mm-hmm. need to have to uh, to run your business you're lost into day to day operations and you can't mm-hmm. get out number number two is to um that that would be very interesting but this one will interest you is to the the inability to let go so as the company Mm -hmm. grows Uh, your role as the entrepreneur should evolve yes right Uh, and for instance you should you should be more and more like uh uh, you know taking a, a higher and higher view helicopter view But to be able to do that, you have to let go. For instance, you need to delegate some work. And more importantly, you need to delegate um, decision making power to other people. Yep. That is scary. That is very difficult to do. You know, you want to control everything. And the third uh, most common uh, bottleneck is the lack of uh, clarity of direction. Mm. Start with why, as Simon Sinek said.
1: Yeah, those are what what I hope is normalizing to most folks is that those are pervasive leaders hmm. of companies, but like, you know, thousands of people, companies, uh solopreneurs, it 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 crosses all yeah. like <laughs> roles. And so yeah, so yeah, let's choose the can't let go. I see that a lot. And what's amazing is I will work with leaders who say, Yeah, I'm great at delegating. And yet when we dig in and examine the let go piece. Even if it's psychological, mm. it's I cannot let go psychologically. It can be very profound. It disrupts. I mean, it absorbs your energy. You become obsessive. There are so many different other ways you can be using those thoughts and energy that you start grasping on. So let's start there as an example of where do we begin as leaders mm. if we want to shift? I like to call the thing that we feel an, a behavior that we notice that we struggle with about ourselves, a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. There's a reason it has showed up for so long. We are very intelligent human beings. These patterns that we've cultivated and created for ourselves have served us. They are taking care of us and there's wisdom in them. Now, the piece that may be true is that they're outdated, there was wisdom in them for a very long time and if they're bothering us now that means maybe there are parts of it that actually aren't taking care of us anymore so the inability to let go how how well has that served an entrepreneur that's gotten the company off our feet that's gotten you know us through really hard times that's pushed forward in the face of so much adversity that people think we're delusional and crazy that's the thing that has made us good Mm -hmm. so what happens then what I invite folks to do is to before we can change anything we need to throw it a party we need to say wow you took care of me because anything that we push away hard is going to come back twice as harder right that's the the law of gravity or physics maybe physics excuse me I'm not a scientist clearly (laughs) um and so we need to actually accept it welcome it in, invite it for tea. There's a a Buddhist teaching to invite your demons for tea. Bring that survival mechanism to tea. Say thank you. That's the starting point. Before then, you can have a conversation with it and say, okay, so the wisdom that you're providing me about getting it done at all costs, moving forward, not letting go, that piece is a little sticky for me now. Because I'm not sleeping, I'm not leveraging my team effectively, things are falling through the cracks, and I really would like this company to grow. This is what you're saying to your survival mechanism. And so you can then say, what do you think about this? Like truly personify your survival mechanism, ask it for its wisdom, and see what it has to say. That's the starting point. I'm curious Mm. your your thoughts or reactions as I'm laying this out. No,
0: no, it's it it resonates with me. I like I like to talk in terms of uh, saboteurs. You know, understand understand your saboteurs. Uh, You know, starting with your judge. You know that idiot voice talking to you or the chimp. There's this great book that I'm often mention uh, the chimp paradox. I forgot Mm. I forgot the the author, Uh, but it's very practical. It's a very practical book about how your mind works. It's coming back to understanding yourself. Exactly. Right, so that you're able to it's emotional intelligence, so that you're able to understand what's going on and control control it.
1: Yeah, there's an example I love to tell in the book. Thank you for calling out the judge because oh my god, we all have one, especially I think people who are very ambitious and driven, who are mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, um, have a self-critical judge where that serves them, but also gets in the way. And I was working with um, there's this woman I talk about in the book who. Had is the head of UX for the company, had been in many other places, and she's supposed to stand up a team, build a strategy deck to put it together, and is immobilized. Cannot mm-hmm. do it. And she's like, I, I literally sit down. I cannot get it done. And so we talked about this because clearly it wasn't her lack of capacity. She's done this before. And I asked her, I said, Well, what happens for you if I say, Okay, let's just do it together now um, and we'll get it done? Not that we're going to, but I was curious her reaction. And she said, Oh, no, it's just not good enough. It's not going to be good enough. And like literally, as those words came out of her mouth, a pin dropped because we've been working together a while. And that was one of her favorite belief systems, not good enough. And she was like, Oh. And I was like, Yeah. So here we are again. It's not good enough. And I said, will you experiment with me for a moment? She'd been working with me for a while. So she knew we did sometimes strange things. And she said, sure. I said, okay, this not good enough voice. Does it have an age? Does it have a personality? Like a per, like, what does it look like in your mind? And she said, "Uh, Oh, like kind of surprised that it immediately a visual came to her. And she was like, Oh, it's my 13 year old self. And I was like, Interesting. OK. Let's talk about how she's taking care of you. Again, throw this throw this survival mechanism a party. She's gotten me to where I am. If it's not good enough, I'm constantly striving for better. Well, doesn't that sound familiar, right? Mm. And I was like, OK, cool. Great. So let's not tell her to go away. Let's just tell her to take a break while you start the presentation so that you can bring her in when you want a little finessing. And I was like, okay, so what can, what can she do to, to give you some space while you do the presentation? She was like, okay, she can make a grilled cheese sandwich in the kitchen. And we both laughed like how it's amazing how specific these visions come up. So, okay, great. When you go to sit down to do your presentation, I want you to send your 13 year old critical self to the kitchen to make a grilled cheese sandwich and bring her in when you need a little finessing. Mm. The next session, she came back. She was like, "I cannot believe how effective that was." Mm-hmm. She she had done the the deck. She had sent it around. She was now talking about iterating on it, and the just the power of she didn't criticize her thirteen year old self. She didn't turn her away. She said, "Listen, you can help me out just in a little bit."
0: Yeah, shut up for the moment.
1: exactly Exactly. and that's the power of this work and so that's exactly it it's like okay how do you personify those those saboteurs and engage with them in a way to help them give you the wisdom that they have because they're not idiots
0: no and the thing and what you're saying is really important is that that voice will never disappear it will always be there so you have to learn to mute it
1: Mm. I would say have a healthy relationship with it. Have a
0: good. I like it.
1: Yes. Because the what I what you're saying is so profound and so powerfully important. If we can come to the terms with the fact that these are our inner demons. Mm. We were born this way. We were born human with demons. It's pretty cool to be a human and not a cat. For me, I, I like my brain. This is cool. <laughs> so what that comes with is our own birth karma, our own baggage. So if we come to terms with, okay, you know what? Some of this isn't going to go away. I just get to change my relationship to it. You know, I've had chronic anxiety my whole life. I had TAM, mm. it clenched my jaw, ulcers, panic attack, like anything you could think anxiety related I had. And I think when I came to terms with the fact that this is something I was born with and it can change, I my relationship to it has changed completely over time, so when it shows up, it's more of, "Okay, hmm, what am I worried about right now?" or "What is this trying to tell me?" And it's not it's not as debilitating anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a little friend, sometimes an annoying one, sometimes just a usual one. Um, but it, to your point, it doesn't have to go away for things to get so much better and for it to become an ally.
0: All right, great, great conversation. Let's but that's done to you, the uh, entrepreneur. Uh, you founded Metaworks yes. in twenty fifteen. How big is your team today?
1: Uh we've got five. Five,
0: five. folks. So it's a yeah. small team. So yeah, now, we're scrappy. Uh, here's a here's a tricky question for you. Yeah. If I was to ask your team to describe you as a leader, what would they say?
1: You know, Laurent, this is perfect timing because I just had the most beautiful conversations with two of my team members last week. Voluntarily, they both said that working for MetaWorks has changed their lives. Amazing. I'm like, ooh, it got me in the heart individually. And that means so much to me because what I just described to you is working with leaders who disrupt the status quo that is vital to me. Mm-hmm. I am the product of my company and our company is its own product. You know, we offer to leaders what I need to create inside. And I'm constantly examining what culture am I creating and what behaviors do I want to see as a result of the culture? Mm-hmm. What is helpful here versus what am I just emulating? Because I this is what I know from the corporate world because I lived there for so long. And I really feel like they're in questioning that there has been space for folks to show up as they are and for us to really dig into things. You know, an example is I I own, I am one of those folks who struggles to let go and is a perfectionist. So when a team member makes a mistake, I get, I get shaky, I get angry (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I've really learned to make a statement about my concern and then say, what was going on for you? Was a system broken? Do we not have a system? Was there a misunderstanding? I continue to be shocked when my team responds, oh, I thought, you know, actually this was what we were supposed to do. Oh, that was my bad. I did not get clear on my expectations or, oh, the process. So often it isn't that a team member was like, screw this and signed off early you know and every time i have that conversation it just reinforces to me this is all about relationships and understanding what's going on from the other person's point of view so this is a long way to answer a question that i hope they feel that i am kind and compassionate and also clear mm-hmm. and also drive accountability i do not want to be a doormat that creates confusion for everyone um I would say, I think my team would say that is true. And I also struggle to be controlling and do have some urgency anxiety when things are high stakes. I see. I'm being honest.
0: So you're the bottleneck in the business.
1: (laughs) Of course, it's my work, work on myself. It's so funny because I, I, I pride myself on delegation and there's always more you can do.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. What does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur?
1: I feel like this is the ultimate inner journey. Okay. Every, for me, I'm actually curious to hear from you too, because every decision I make, it means I have to cultivate a deeper trust in myself, a deeper confidence, is this the right direction to take the company? We just pivoted slightly. We were mm. nation tech. We're expanding to um, powerful decision makers in the world who really want to change the way companies are run. Um, you know, it, it all of it has been a journey for, am I doing this right? And what's right? Mm. And so for me, being an entrepreneur has meant time and time again, coming back and saying, I'm doing this because I want to do whatever I want. Literally, that is why I, I want to use my company to build a beautiful life. And so every time I feel like that is not happening, that I'm following someone else's rules, I am listening, oh, I should do this, or I, I didn't do this right, or, oh, it's not good enough. But that's an opportunity for me mm-hmm. to say, uh, whose voice is this? What belief system is this? What old trauma is this? So I really see my role as an entrepreneur as my kind of the premise of my deepest inner work, which aligns with what I do. So Mm, curious for you.
0: For me, me it's uh, several things. Uh, The freedom, obviously, to do what I want, what you were saying, you know, be completely accountable for the decisions that I make. Mm-hmm. don't have to report to anybody
1: yeah
0: <laughs> anymore because i used to uh but i think also very close to what you were saying it as it allows me to be myself mm. and to say the things that i want and what i believe in and just you know to be a bit bold and, and yes. i still have to find my voice but the podcast is also a way to uh you know spread spread my words and my yeah. wisdom yeah <laughs> But but that's that's really what, what, what it's what it is for me.
1: You know, I love that I it's so closely aligned in, to my why as well and I wonder mm-hmm. if most people feel that way who are entrepreneurs is there's this deep calling I feel like there needs yeah. to be because yes. there's a lot of hard work, not just physical long hours, but that that coming back to your why because I would imagine what you're saying about doing what you want and being bold, being yourself, that that is a constant work in progress because there's so much opportunity to say oh this wasn't right or oh i didn't i'm you know trying to follow the rules and be like wait this isn't my rule like that's yeah. for me so i would imagine but yeah.
0: but there's one thing that will always remain mm-hmm. is the day you you created the company we mm-hmm. all have those all every entrepreneurs know that day you know yeah. if I remember the day I was like, yes, I know this is what I'm gonna do. That is the foundation, this is the this is the DNA. That will never mm. change. It will always be there.
1: Mm. And
0: you know, when you feel like you lack like clarity of direction, I would recommend you go back to that, to that yes. day, to 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 your story. Because maybe you were with someone, maybe you were by yourself, but we we know we know exactly what what happened on, on that time moving on because it's not about me it's about you <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's about us that's my premise <laughs> what about what
0: about uh you know you you're, you move from the corporate world been an entrepreneur for like 7 8 years now what what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way
1: if i'm following someone else's rules i'm doing it wrong you know that's actually mm-hmm. one of the reasons why i recently pivoted in this past year the company was getting more and more successful um I'm basically referral based. I've up to this point done very little promotional anything, and the more successful we were getting, the more disappointed I was to go to work. And I was really confused because I success is what I strive for. You know, that's exciting to me. That's I want. I'm an ambish, ambitious woman, and so I was disoriented we had we have coaches working for us we have a back office we have companies reaching out that i haven't even met but referral based what is going on it took me 6 months 8 months to soul search and really understand exactly what you said i wasn't being entirely myself i had built a website that felt like it would attr- it companies would make would want to hire me i was using language that I feel like companies would be comfortable saying yes to. And I realized I wasn't leaning into my magic because people would say, oh my God, I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but it is working. Let's have more of it. But I wasn't talking about the somatic experiencing work or the polarity therapy work because I was worried about alienating companies. And I realized that, no, I needed to lean into who I was in order to attract my ideal clients who want to do that work, who say, hey, ooh, yes, works because I want this. And that took a lot of courage for me, who felt like it was important to be what other folks wanted so that I could make money. And so um, this has been a, a powerful learning that I felt like I knew early on, but the, the learning is deepening, you know? And so this was actually a really big deal. We just rebranded the website. I'm leaning into language about inner work. The book has come out where I focused on inner work, which is not something we were talking about previously. Um, And that I'm really proud of, I'm really lit up by, I love talking about this stuff. And the energy is it back in my company in a way it wasn't for the past couple of years. And so that's been a huge learning for me again and again, that the more I lean into who I am, the happier I am and this more successful frankly
0: feel a disconnect
1: yeah i did i think i really did feel a disconnect i felt like i was doing this for everybody else when to your point i had started this company for me
0: a lot of entrepreneurs i would, I would uh, you know i've talked to 150 on a podcast now
1: mm-hmm. they
0: would they would talk about impact Pray for impact that's that's one of the main reasons they go into entrepreneurship because they want mm-hmm. to change something and sometimes they want to change the world That's the Utopia, you know. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But they want they want to make an impact. And usually the impact they want to make is around helping people.
1: And what's funny is you say that as I'm sitting here, I was like, I'm like, well, I don't I think I was helping people, but the disconnect is I wanted to help people in the way I've been helped and the power of that inner work. And so, yeah, thank you for that. It really helped me reflect like, no, it it wasn't aligned with my style of helping people. And that's why I think I had to change.
0: Amazing conversation, Rachel. Uh, One last question for you. Uh, How can people contact you and what is the, uh, where can we find your book? Sorry.
1: Yes. You can find my book on Amazon and Goodreads and Barnes and Noble, but, I always like to say Amazon because it's easiest. <laughs> um, who you are is how you lead. You can find me at www.metaworks, M-E-T-T-A-W-O-R-K-S dot I-O,
0: or on LinkedIn. Excellent. Again, thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Lauren. Such a pleasure.
0: And thank you for listening.
1: Interviews
0: Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code is available on all your favorite podcast platforms subscribe now so you don't miss any episodes see you next time bye for now